Well, most of us have had a bit of a shock when tallying up our grocery bills these days. So the inflation numbers for February from StatsCan, including the Consumer Price Index, were hardly a surprise. Canada's inflation rate hit a new three-decade high in February as consumers paid more for gasoline and groceries. We know that. The CPI was up 5.7% in February. Food prices rose 7.4% year-over-year last month, the largest increase since May of 2009. Here's what Royce Mendez, head of macro strategy at Desjardins Securities, had to say. Unfortunately, this is not surprising for us. This is exactly what we forecast. Uh, But it's no less painful for households in Canada when prices are rising at almost 6% over the past year. If it feels like everything is getting more expensive, it's because it is. Royce Mendez of Desjardins Securities. And that could be further hit by a work stoppage at Canadian Pacific Railways, potentially disrupting the movement of goods in this country, such as grain and potash, mostly potash, mostly done by rail, at a time when commodity prices are soaring too. Here's what Saskatchewan's Premier Scott Moe had to say today. Catastrophic on, on supply chain issues, bringing, bringing uh, supplies into our communities, into our province, um, bringing uh, our products out of our province to other areas of Canada, uh, grain going into feedlots, for example, across the province and in southern, uh, the southern U.S., as well as uh, ultimately uh, all of the exports uh, that we are sending uh, to other areas of the world. This- Scott Moe, Saskatchewan's premier, about a potential work stoppage at uh, CP Rail. Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan announced tonight that CP Today gave notice of their intention to lock out employees on March 20th, that 72-hour notice. The parties are still negotiating with the help of federal mediators, so stay tuned on that front. Add in the war in Ukraine, add it all together, and it is quite the picture for food prices in this country and global food security around the world. Joining me now to discuss that is Sylvain Charlebois. He's a professor in food distribution and policy in the faculties of management and agriculture at Dalhousie University in Halifax. He joins me from Tampa in Florida, where he's a visiting professor uh, this year. Welcome to the show, Sylvain. My pleasure. I guess not a lot of surprise in what we saw today, but certainly food prices, as we expected, um, on the pointy edge of these inflation numbers. Yeah, absolutely. Well... I was actually expecting a 7.5 for February. Uh, What we got was 7.4, so I wasn't far off. So I wasn't surprised to see uh, 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 numbers that I saw this morning. Uh, when When you dive into all of the numbers, you can see that commodity prices really have started to to impact food retail prices. So coffee is up uh, 8% in the last two months. Uh, flour is up 12% in the last two months. Uh, so that's one sign. The other sign, of course, is is uh, global food supply chains that have, have been impacted by the pandemic and everything we've seen in the last two years. And so the center of the store is impacted clearly. I mean, peanut butter is up 4%. And people laugh when I mention peanut butter, but it, it, it it's a bit of a staple. It's a, it's a bit of an indicator as to how supply chains are impacting our ability to move products because peanut butter is priced the same in Canada over the last 20 years, but being up 4% in just two months, that's a sign. It's basically like the tide, Ben. I mean, if, yeah. if peanut butter is up, you're likely to see a lot of things go up over the next several months. Sylvain, I always you know, looked at The Economist's Big Mac Index, where they take the price of a Big yep. Mac at every McDonald's around the world, and that gives you an idea of 
what food prices are like in each of the regions. I guess peanut butter would be one of those staples. I didn't know it hadn't gone up in so long. So we're actually seeing the first real increases in the price of peanut butter in a while. Absolutely. I would say, so when you look at, because uh, often people are saying, oh, everything is up, everything is more expensive. I said, not really. If you look at peanut butter, tofu, mm-hmm. bananas, they all price the same. Uh, in the last 20 years, it's all priced the same. So not everything fluctuates. Every food product has its own story and its own dynamic. Uh, but overall, you can certainly point to specific factors that are impacting food prices like logistics. Fuel, of course, is a big factor uh, impacting food prices for the month of February. But overall, I think commodity prices will... Uh, really hit us hard. Uh, dairy is, has started to show uh, a sign that uh, th- things are changing there because milk is up 8% in just a month. So you can see that probably uh, cheese, yogurt, other dairy products will go up uh, over the next several months. I was going to say, you, you mentioned that this was the end of the beginning. And I think after two years of pandemic, um, and, and certainly the way we've seen it reflect on our grocery shelves, which can be psychological, I gather, as well as re- realistic. Uh, but we have seen prices go up, uh, specifically, I think, at the meat counter, but also, as you mentioned, in the dairy counter. By the end of the beginning, what do you see happening in the future? I, I, I hate to say this, but I actually see the pandemic as being a bit of a dress rehearsal when it comes to food affordability in Canada. I think that, uh, that of course, uh, households have been challenged the last couple of years. It's been tough. Uh, prices have gone up. But uh, given what's going on right now around the world, I actually do see uh, a major shift. Um, so when you have a conflict, Uh, hitting a place like the Ukraine and Russia, uh, you have to wonder how that will impact global markets. And uh, so the Ukraine is a top five uh, grain exporter. Russia is a top exporter around the world when it comes to grains. So so the question, uh, can Canada actually cover the spread? Can actually, uh, can Canada cover uh, that gap created by by this conflict? And the answer is no, uh, for two reasons. One, well, uh, Canada, uh, well, needs mother nature to, in order to produce, uh, well, and, and mother nature has failed us a few times the last few years, especially last year, last year was a disaster. The other thing, uh, our fertilizers, fertilizers are super expensive these days. And, and if you want to increase yields, in Canada, uh, you need to use fertilizers, and, and 50% of fertilizers used in the prairies come from either Russia, Belarus, or China. And uh, you know what's going on there. And so it's going to be very challenging for farmers to increase yields this year, even if Mother Nature cooperates. Have governments taken this seriously enough yet? I mean, we've seen some, you know, we hear a lot of a lot of talk about gas prices, uh, but not a whole lot of talk about food prices. And one would think that really food prices are where it's going to hurt people with fixed incomes or stretched incomes. It's going to hurt them the most. Absolutely. Well, you know, in America, in the United States, where I am right now, the food inflation rate is actually at 8.6%, which is much higher. Yeah, which is much higher. But here's the thing, Ben. In America, consumers here are are better tool to address uh, 
food, the impact of food inflation. Uh, you have a, a couponing culture here that is much more developed. You have competition. You have many options as a consumer. So you can navigate through higher food inflation rates very easily in America, not in Canada. I would say that a, a an 8.6% in America would probably equate to a 4 or 5% in Canada just because of, of, of our food distribution landscape, which is not as competitive. Uh, we're, we don't necessarily empower consumers all that much to, to, to save uh, through uh, the use of coupons and apps and things like that. So I, I, think, I think the government in Canada is expecting the industry to step up, uh, helping consumers, because I think there's going to be a growing number of consumers looking for options. So far, what we've seen in Canada is, is volume discounting. You need to buy, say, four lemons to get a better deal instead of just one. Well, it doesn't work for well over a third uh, of our households because a third of our households will only have one person or a couple with, with a fixed income. So you can see that really the promotional culture in Canada is not as sophisticated as it should be. This is something I know you're looking into, and I know you don't want to give away what you're about to report in your report uh, on couponing. Um, but is there any light at the end of the tunnel for Canadians in terms of how they adapt to these rising food costs by developing a more sophisticated couponing culture? Yeah, there, there. Uh, we have concerns. I mean, there are several restrictions. I mean, it's it's difficult to use coupons for a variety of reasons, and we'll dive into those reasons uh, next week. But really, I, I think as we see the food inflation rate rise this year, I think there's going to be a growing number of, of consumers who will show their, their discontent towards the industry. And I'm concerned about that because grocers uh, have done a fairly good job throughout the pandemic, and they do offer uh, high-quality products to Canadians. But at the end of the day, food affordability is a challenge, and, and, and more households are left behind. Uh, that's a problem for, for grocers. And so I, I, I think that's really going to... The narrative around around rebates and promotions is going to change because if you go into a grocery store right now, uh, good luck finding anything on sale. It's very rare these days. Why? Because they're discouraged. Uh, the context is just not there to get companies to offer rebates right now. I'm speaking with Sylvain Charlebois, Professor in Food Distribution and Policy in the Faculties of Management and Agriculture at Dalhousie University in Halifax. He's in Florida. Uh, at this point. Uh, you did mention the war in Ukraine. I'm interested in digging a little deeper into that as far as its geopolitical or geo-agriculture uh, impacts maybe, and we'll get to that uh, right after this short break. Stay with us. I'm back with Sylvain Chalabois, Professor in Food Distribution and Policy in the Faculties of Management and Agriculture at Dalhousie University in Halifax. He's speaking to us tonight from Tampa in Florida. Um, Sylvain, you mentioned this earlier, but we know that Ukraine, Russia, often referred to as the breadbaskets of Europe, um, there will be an impact not only on food prices in our country, but also throughout the Middle East, North Africa. This could be, turn into something quite serious, you think? Oh, absolutely. I think it is turning into something quite serious. Um, um, 
our global food security is being is being challenged. Um, they do say that the Ukraine is the bread is Europe's bread basket. I actually think it's it's a bit of an inaccurate reading uh, of 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 Ukraine's role. Uh, it is the bread basket of two major regions, uh, the Middle East and Europe. And I think the Middle East will be hit first. In fact, we're hearing from uh, Europe uh, from uh, from Egypt and Syria. Um, telling the uh, the world community that uh, inventories are, are are low already and and because of last year's uh, harvest uh, in the northern hemisphere we saw droughts in russia uh, canada and the us floodings in in europe in germany in particular inventories are, are already very very low so there's no buffer and so i do expect uh the world to be short uh for a lot of commodities wheat corn, barley, I would say pulses, sunflower, and uh, a lot of people will will have to fight for whatever's left. And uh, so we are expecting, at least I'm expecting some civil unrest in some parts of the world. As far as North America goes, I, I don't believe it will happen because we do produce a lot of grains here, but we're not immune to um, to prices traded globally if a bushel of wheat is $12 US in Ukraine it's going to be $12 here in Canada and so the entire food system here will have to absorb that and when you look at you know the refugee crisis coming out of Ukraine uh, there is demand there obviously for emergency aid um and then yep. shortage we have shortages in North Africa i mean if if listeners forget you know, food prices are part of what sparked the Arab Spring a, a decade ago now, yep. rising food costs. So there's such a close tie between food scarcity and political instability. And I guess that's what you're seeing. That's the wave you're seeing coming at us. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, this is, uh, I mean, Vladimir Putin's gift to the world is, is, uh, is a, an ag commodity super cycle uh, and which will lead to uh to social unrest and and some 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 issues around the world beyond the conflict we see in the ukraine unfortunately and uh so if he had if he wanted to pick the right time he he did uh, from an agri-food perspective he absolutely and of course, don't forget that Russia, uh, I would say, can rely on on China. China, uh, of course, I would say, doesn't necessarily have allies. It has clients and customers, and it sees Russia as a customer. And 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 often we forget this to to to, to we forget that China will. Uh, will remain influential, will buy commodities, not just for China, but for the world, and it will trade. So I don't think Russia is, is, is concerned about its own harvest. Uh, it will grow wheat and probably will sell its surpluses to China. Uh, as far as Ukraine goes, they're, they're on their own, which is really a travesty, I think. Um, so... I do believe that uh, this year is not going to be easy for many, many nations. And, and, and to be honest, Ben, I actually think as Canadians, just to have a chance to buy something at a grocery store uh, is something that we should be thankful for. Absolutely. It's something we don't. You did mention this earlier, um, and I didn't realize this, that fertilizer 
supply because we do produce fertilizers in Canada, obviously, but fertilizer supply, I didn't realize how much of it came from Russia and China and Belarus. What kind of predicament does that put our farmers in here? Well, so yeah, absolutely. Now you you mentioned earlier that uh, what can governments do uh, to to make uh, things better uh, in Canada, where you know we we talk on both sides of our mouths, really. So we we had our minister of agriculture uh, talking at the G seven saying. Uh, claiming that we should uh, keep our borders open, we should continue to focus on trades, which is which is absolutely true. I think uh, she she made some very very important remarks. But at the same time, in Canada, we are we have uh, supply management, which is a very highly protective regime around dairy, poultry, and eggs, and we have also Campatex, which is a a a a um, cartel for potash really uh it is uh it colludes it, it allows mosaic and nutrient to collude and increase fertilizer prices uh and it will inflate prices it will uh, it has always increased fertilizer prices around the world uh and it and this year is no exception and so if if farmers are complaining about higher fertilizer prices well, Canada is partly to blame here. And Campotex is endorsed and sanctioned by the Saskatchewan government. And so there, there are things we can do. And, in it, and to add to all this fun is a potential CP rail strike that could actually start tonight as well. So there's lots of things going on there that perhaps can be addressed by our governments, whether it's at the federal level or at the provincial level. It certainly feels like geopolitics is going to be spotted on our grocery shelves um, for at least the next little while. Sylvain Chalabois, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. My pleasure.